Was the Baker Mayfield trade worth it for the Carolina Panthers? We talk about that and more next year on Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, so that means you have me, Kevin Ostriker, the host of Locked On Ravens. And thank you for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is who covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. And we're back here with another week of football talk on the show. And we're going to be talking about a lot relating to the big story of last week, or one of them at least, in the Baker Mayfield trade. Obviously, Mayfield going from Cleveland to Carolina was a move that was expected for a while, Mayfield to be traded from Cleveland. But here we are, it is official, the Panthers being the team that ends up securing him. And so in the first segment, we'll talk with Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns about what this trade means for Cleveland. In the second segment, we'll talk with Julian Council of Locked On Panthers about the trade for Mayfield and what it means for that franchise. And then in the final segment, you're going to hear me talk about Justin Houston for the Ravens because that was a move that, again, a good signing by them. And I'll talk about what it means for their team and especially their outside linebacker position. So a ton to dive into today. On the show, let's first start off with Jeff Wood of Locked On Browns talking about that Mayfield trade for the Browns, what it means for them. Joining me here for the second straight week is one of the hosts of Locked On Browns in Jeff Lloyd. And Jeff, I know we talked a lot about Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson last week, but one of those shoes has dropped Baker Mayfield going to Carolina for a conditional fifth rounder. How are you doing? Uh, we're good. Um, you know, for Baker, you know, this went on for almost four months. Um, you know, once, you know, the Browns replaced him with Deshaun Watson, um, it was a question of where and it was a question of when. I think, you know, we kind of realized, you know, Carolina and Seattle would be teams that maybe were going to be high contenders. Um, I certainly felt it was going to get done faster than it did. Um, maybe some of that had to do with, you know, Baker's health and, you know, the fact that he wasn't going to be able to contribute in any type of OTA. Um, but at the end of the day, it was, you know, business had to be done. You know, what's going on now as far as, you know, trying to maybe, you know, add more flames to a fire that's essentially been put out. Um, seems a little tired. Obviously, Baker's always been a high volatile player in his time here with the Cleveland Browns. He'll always be that type of player. You just can't turn that type of guy off. Um, but for the Browns, it's it, it was, you know, long overdue. Um, they have another Big question mark. They need to establish and know exactly what the stat, uh, the standing of Deshaun Watson is as far as the NFL is concerned. Um, they need to know that. Need to know pretty quickly. Uh, July 27th, training camp is opening shortly. Uh, they need to know exactly where they stand so they can start, you know, divvying out how they're going to handle practice reps. Because as much as you want to get Deshaun Watson integrated with a new offense, if there's an understanding that it's Jacoby Brissett for six games, eight games, ten games, he needs the proper amount of work. Yeah, and I know that for Baker Mayfield, this was a situation that went on for a pretty long time, and now Carolina, the ultimate destination. It really felt like, Jeff, it was Seattle, Carolina, Seattle, Carolina, Seattle, Carolina, and then once Seattle, there was rumored their interest was not there, it seemed like really only Carolina was the team in contention for him. Did you feel the same way? 
Um, Seattle for me was the more interesting one. I think the Browns would have gotten a better return if Seattle was invested. Um, it seems really weird where Seattle is at right now with Pete Carroll in his seventies and you're going to give a season, uh, to, you know, Drew Locke or maybe Geno Smith. I'm not exactly sure what the Seattle Seahawks game plan is for the 2022 season, um, with, uh, you know, an aging veteran head coach, um, whether they had interest or did not have interest or maybe, you know, for them, maybe it was, you know, maybe giving a little bit of a higher pick, um, paying a, you know, less money than maybe even Carolina did. Who knows? Um, you sent him off to Carolina here. It's an odd situation. You have Matt Rule, who's basically coaching for his life down in Carolina. Um, it's not like Baker and Matt Rule have any history where it's like the two of them, hey, I'm going to reignite my career. We're going to save your job. Old friends getting together. Uh, there's no such thing between these two. Um, it'll be their first, you know, time together. Um, you know, Carolina offensively has some players at the skill positions. Um, they're still a team. They're a team that may have been relevant in the NFC South. If Tom Brady had continued that one month course of staying retired, retired where everybody in the NFC South all of a sudden was like, wow, you know, maybe we got a shot. And all of a sudden Tom Brady came back and you know the door was shut on that division. Um, so you send Baker down there. Um, he's got Rashard Higgins. He's got DJ Moore. He's got other players down there, some skilled players. The health of Christian McCaffrey is obviously paramount to what the Panthers can do offensively. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it's a fresh start for Baker. Um, it could be something where it ends into a couple-year run as the Panthers would be able to hold the possibility to franchise tag him if things went really, really well and there wasn't a way to work something out. But for Baker, he gets the fresh new start. He's you know drastically been seeking for about four months now. It'll be in Carolina. Maybe it's different because you know it's it's not in the South where he was originally from. It's not up north where he had this home that he established in the AFC North with the Cleveland Browns. Um, it's going down there. It's Carolina, and you know fighting for you know everything he's going to get coming forward. Yeah, and I know Jeff. The fifth round pick was a package that I know some thought was a little bit on the side of, well, that's too much. Well, it's too little. You know, should, should you trade anything for Baker Mayfield at all? That was the conversation. The Browns also paying a bit of a salary. What was your overall impression of the package they got? A conditional fifth rounder, not necessarily a, a haul or anything, but still some compensation for a player that obviously still didn't want to be in Cleveland with Deshaun Watson there. There wasn't a place for him either with Watson and his suspension obviously still looming though. I figure day three with, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, compensation as far as, you know, playing time, the chance for the pick to increase in value. Um, we'll see how it's based. Uh, you know, that part has not been leaked yet, whether it's going to be snaps taken, uh, statistical production, or what exactly, you know, the Carolina Panthers do as a team this year. Um, but that was, the you know, basically the place it was. Um, the Browns, I think they held out as long as they could as far as trying to maybe either getting a higher return, um, you know, or paying less of Baker's money for this year. At the end of the day, Baker Mayfield is going to eat $3 million in the 2022 season. Um, I know everybody, oh, well, that's how much he wanted to get out of there. No, he just wants to get on the field. He wants to get somewhere else. Um, it's about future money for Baker Mayfield. This contract was already done. This contract was already guaranteed for Baker Mayfield. Uh, so it's about his NFL future. For the Browns, um, it, it's it, the fifth-round pick, uh, you know, you hope for 2024, which when the pick will actually be, it will increase in value. Um, but one of the biggest reasons the Browns made this deal to begin with is they really felt the only thing they didn't have and they didn't have secured away long-term was quarterback, or at least a quarterback that they were comfortable with or confident enough in to say that playoffs was good, but playing for the AFC title, playing possibly in a Super Bowl, is the bar. 
So they felt with as deep as the roster was everywhere else, they were allowed, you know, they were in a spot where they could give up some draft capital for the future, which they obviously certainly did here. Um, and even this past draft for them, they weren't drafting starters. They were drafting depth players. And I think for the Browns, I think they feel that's most likely going to be the norm here for the next couple of years. So just getting an extra pick, you know, I'm sure it'll be scrutinized. It'll be monitored down the road. Oh, this guy was the one that turned out to be the player uh, who was acquired in the Baker Mayfield trade. Could be something, could be nothing. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Browns really, really needed to get focused. They needed to get this done and over with because at the time of the move, they were about 22 days away from training camp opening up, opening up. And, and you couldn't go any further with this. You know, you need to start establishing what is going to be the story of the 2022 Cleveland Browns. And as what we all know, Baker Mayfield was not going to be any part of it. Yeah, well, he, he might be a small part if he does start week one uh, with oh. the Panthers because there's the storyline because <laughs> Cleveland plays Carolina in week one. And so, Jeff, based off of what you know about Carolina, Sam Darnold being there, there's going to be some competition, it feels like. But if Baker Mayfield starts week one for the Carolina Panthers against the Cleveland Browns, I mean, what do you think that will be like? Oh, well, the most interesting thing is Baker Mayfield will collect a paycheck that week for about $588,000 from the Cleveland Browns to play against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you know, I, I can't think Carolina made this move with any other thought process in their head that that's it. He's the guy. I mean, he has to be the guy. Um, if they aren't sure that he is going to be their week one starter, then you may, you know, maybe that's all we need to know about what's going to be going on in Carolina for the last couple of years. Um, it'll be, it, it'll certainly be interesting, but maybe for both parties involved, Baker and the Browns, look, everybody knew there was a Browns Panthers game this year. So maybe for everybody involved, it's better. Hey, let's just rip this stinking bandaid off right now. Get it out of the way. Get it over with. It is week one of 17 game season. Um, it should not necessarily alter either team's overall season week one. Get it over with. Get it out of the way. Um, Baker's going to be juiced. There's no way around it. Baker is always juiced. Baker is always fired up. And for the Browns, um, you know, I understand most likely you're going into that game with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, but you did make a statement here when you traded for Deshaun Watson and you understood that most likely there was a suspension coming. Um, so it, it would be rough times uh, within the Cleveland Browns circle, within the media circle, within the content circle, if the Browns, who so desperately need to finally start a season 1-0, were to be going into week two, um, against the New York Jets at home, 0-1, having lost to Baker Mayfield. Yeah, well, would not be ideal in, in, in the least. But, Jeff, finally, I want to ask you, what are you going to remember about Baker Mayfield and his tenure in Cleveland? Four years there, obviously did a lot for that franchise. What, what memorable moments stick out to you? Well, for me, I, I look, I don't have the issue here, essentially. I, I can understand it for what it was that Baker played injured all of this year. But at the same time, you put yourself out there you say you're good to go. That is what you're going to be judged upon. The issue that happened was there were games like the Charger game where he was on fire. The first game against the Bengals, he played lights out. So the thing was is you couldn't say, well, the injury is an issue because there were weeks where he played well. So we can't say the injury was, you know, the, the, labrum did, the torn labrum didn't get any better on certain weeks, you know, where he went out and played really well. So he ended up being judged. But you go to 2018, the Thursday night football uh, game against the New York Jets, the first appearance of Baker Mayfield. He comes out in the game. Browns were struggling. Nothing was going right. Browns win after 0-16. Um, and they started that season with a tie and a loss. They get that win. 
And all of a sudden now, here was this team that looked like week in, week out with Baker Mayfield at the quarterback position. They weren't the same old Browns. They weren't the LOL Browns. They could go out and give you a football game. And they did. Ran through the NFC South that, South that year. Carolina, Atlanta, those teams. Uh, 2019, obviously, uh, just an absolute just wash anyway you slice it. But you get to 2020. And, you know, for this team to even say the words, Kevin, the Cleveland Browns are going to the playoffs. The Cleveland Browns won a playoff game. The Cleveland Browns were within a playoff game within four minutes to go in Kansas City versus the Chiefs. He is a huge part of what altered this franchise. And part of what he did almost became his own undoing. He raised the bar. He created expectations for this team. Going to the playoffs in 2020, winning a playoff game on the road, coming within four minutes against Kansas City Chiefs. These are things that he did. But with all that was done around him, the bar was now set even higher. So in 2021, when it kind of fell apart, obviously that's where. And this is the one thing that always gets to me is everybody wants to make it a Baker thing, an Odell thing. Look, Austin Hooper, they spent a lot of money on. No longer a Cleveland Brown. Jarvis Landry, no longer a Cleveland Brown. Odell Beckham Jr., no longer a Cleveland Brown. Baker Mayfield, no longer a Cleveland Brown. This isn't about pointing and blame and trying to find out who the problem was. Because at the end of the day, the Cleveland Browns obviously felt every one of them were not living up to the expectations or the salary they were be giving. But for the four years Baker was here, what he did, and I'm going to be honest, Kevin, I took this show over in 2017. I covered an 0-16 football team. Baker Mayfield changed the face of this franchise, changed what people believe of the Cleveland Browns. It's great. It's it's really difficult that he's not going to be here to see where this goes from here. Um, but the NFL is a really, really difficult business. And at the end of the day, Baker kind of got it on, on the outside from the powers that be. And I think Baker's style, Baker's persona, is one that a winning locker room can live with. I think the type of attitude, the type of way he carries himself, a losing locker room probably doesn't get along so well with him. And I think that was the ultimate undoing and why Baker Mayfield is now a Carolina Panther. Right. The Baker Mayfield over a new era begins in Cleveland. But I will say that Mayfield did have a very big impact on just how the Cleveland Browns are looked at in terms of what they were able to turn that 0-16 year into over the course of those four years during his tenure. But Jeff, I appreciate you coming on here. Thanks so much. Ah, no problem at all, Kevin. We'll talk soon. Yeah, the Mayfield era does end in Cleveland, and now he will start off a new chapter of his career in Carolina, where we will head to next and talk with Julian Council of Locked On Panthers about the trade. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to talk about on Locked On NFL. First, though, I do want to tell you a bit about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball, which is going on super strong right now. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports waging information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports scores, events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So whatever the low website today, use mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. We're back. Our second segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostreicher, your host, still here with you. And we just talked with Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns about Baker Mayfield, some great insight on the Cleveland side of things. We're going to move over now, talk with Julian Council of Locked On Panthers about the Panthers' perspective on this trade and maybe their new starting quarterback here. So let's talk with Julian Council of Locked On Panthers now. 
Joining me here now is the host of Locked On Panthers, Julian Council. And Julian, I know you've probably talked forever about Baker Mayfield over these past couple of days, but a little more conversation. I don't think it would hurt necessarily for a quarterback. Obviously, the number one overall pick in 2018 gets acquired by Carolina for a conditional fifth round pick. How you doing? I'm doing well, Kevin. And honestly, it's uh, it's been a wild ride because I was on vacation down in Hilton Head on Wednesday afternoon when the news broke. And I had to tell my, my audience leading up to it that, I knew that it was going to happen as soon as I left to go on vacation to get away that the Panthers are going to trade for Baker Mayfield. And since then, it's been pretty much a whirlwind of just going all over the place and talking to folks, which is the power of locked on. Like I've been on TV in Charlotte and Cleveland. I've gone on radio in Tulsa, Oklahoma, all over the state of Louisiana. I was down in Lafayette. I had to go on there with Baton Rouge, New Orleans. So it's been cool to be able to talk about this and for people actually want to talk about the Panthers considering They've been largely irrelevant of late. And now with Baker Mayfield, there's going to be that juice, that fire that he brings to bravado. Will it work out? I don't know, man. TBD. But I'm excited at least now that they have him on the roster opposed to having to lie to people about, yeah, maybe Sam Darnold can work out this upcoming season when that was never going to be the case. Right. And he joins that room. It's Sam Darnold, Matt Corral's there too. They invest in draft capital and a rookie here. Now with Baker Mayfield in the fold, Julian, do you feel like this is the starter move? Will Baker Mayfield, in your eyes, he has some time, he has some runway leading up to the season to get familiar with the offense and his teammates. Is this Baker Mayfield's job to lose, or do you think that Darnold still can push for it here as training camp starts in a couple weeks? Yeah, the Panthers are saying that it's a competition, um, but if you paid attention to everything they've done this offseason by trying to go after Deshaun Watson to inquiring on Russell Wilson to drafting someone in Matt Corral in the third round, they've been trying to find a way to replace this dude all offseason long. Like last year when they brought in Sam Darnold, like giving up a second, fourth, and sixth round pick to the Jets and Teddy Bridgewater was still on the roster. Teddy was not going to be the starter. There was not going to be any competition. Eventually, they shipped him off. I don't see that being the case for Sam Darnold, but Baker Mayfield was brought in here to be the starting quarterback. Yeah, the Panthers have said, like the general manager, Scott Fitter, that they needed to do more to help Sam Darnold, and they've done that by fixing the offensive line. But we know what this guy is. He's statistically the worst quarterback since he's entered the league back in 2018. He's one of the worst quarterbacks of the last 50 years that started in a National Football League. His time is up. It's now Baker Mayfield's time. You don't make this trade. You don't make all those moves or attempt to make all those moves. Then to turn around and let Sam Darnold still start week one. It's Baker Mayfield's job. I don't care about what they say about a competition. Everyone knows that Baker is going to be the guy leading out the Carolina Panthers out the tunnel week one against, coincidentally, his former team in the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, it should, should be should be some fireworks there, Baker Mayfield starting with his personality, which we all know is a very fiery one, as he talked about. But, Julian, what was this move worth it for Carolina? Was this the option that you feel like, hey, Baker Mayfield is his tenure in Cleveland? Very rocky, up and down, I'd say. But yeah. when you're looking at it now, it's only a conditional fifth. Now, obviously, there have been plenty of fifth-round picks that have succeeded throughout this league. But do you feel like the draft capital, the, you know, the Browns are paying some of his contract, too. He's in a contract year here. Do you feel like this move was worth it for the Panthers in terms of maybe potentially getting their franchise guy, if everything goes great, for just a fifth-round pick here? Yeah, that's a big question here in Carolina. Is Baker going to be the guy? Because it's not like they're looking for just someone to be another one-year stopgap, and that's certainly been a criticism I've had of Matt Rule. We're on year three in his third starting quarterback. 2020 was Bridgewater. Last year was the Darnold experiment that I knew was doomed from the beginning, considering he was terrible in New York. Make all the excuses you want for him. The guy can't play at this level, at a high level, which has been proven time and time again. And now you got Baker Mayfield. And you talk about the up-and-down nature of his tenure in Cleveland. Look at his rookie year. He came into an organization that was 1-31 in in the first two years before he got there. And he had Hugh Jackson as his head coach. That was a disaster. 
then Freddie Kitchens, for whatever reason, gets the job. And you have the whole Pittsburgh started its sweatshirt after the Miles Garrett uh, helmet bashing of uh, Mason Rudolph and all the nonsense that went on there. The Browns were a dumpster fire, and they were the first two years. And finally, in his third year with Stefanski, he plays really well in the second half of that season. They win a playoff game for the first time in eons, and then last year he's injured. C- certainly, he has had his struggles of accuracy and his personality because it's somewhat divided the locker room. He's had the public feuds with like with Stefanski and with Hugh Jackson, and those are things that need to change. But he's been above average two out of the four years that he's been a starter in the National Football League. The Panthers haven't gotten that play since Matt Rule's been here and only give up a fifth-round pick conditionally in 2024 that goes to a fourth-rounder if he plays 70% of the snaps this upcoming season, which I think he will, and also only pay $4.85 million of his salary and get him to take a pay cut. That's a huge win for Carolina. You get an upgrade. You have someone who you think you now can compete with because with Darnold or Corral, I didn't see them being a wildcard contender. Now I think they're firmly in the race, and I expect them, honestly, to be right there in that playoff contention this upcoming season. I don't know if he's the guy long-term. That's certainly a question uh, that they need to answer this season. But as far as for the now, this is the best thing Carolina could have done in the quarterback position considering the options that they had out there. Right. And Julian, I feel like if this was a Sam Darnold package, we'd be having a little bit of a different conversation. But I think, again, it was it was a fifth round pick conditional one at that getting a guy who has shown he has had success at the NFL level. So, look, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But you're not giving up the farm here to go get a Baker Mayfield to at least see the option of potentially getting a franchise guy if everything works out. But it's it's interesting because walking into this offense now for Baker Mayfield, you do have some weapons to work with. What is he walking into in Carolina with this offense? Well, most importantly, he's walking to an offensive line that's been rebuilt. And in Cleveland, he had one of the better offensive lines in the league. You know, last year, they really struggled with health and all that. But this season, with Terrell Moten back at right tackle, who's been a stalwart for Carolina the last five seasons, that's great. You add Iki Iquanu, the sixth overall pick at NC State, who's likely going to start at left tackle. Maybe not out the gate against Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, but eventually he'll be that guy for the Panthers. You got Brady Christensen, who they drafted in the third round last year, who could start out at left tackle, but eventually probably move inside the left guard. Bradley Bozeman, who's been a four-year starter with the Ravens, he comes over in free agency to be a starting center. And then Austin Corbett, fresh off of a uh, Super Bowl, win with the Rams, he's going to be the starting right guard. So that's really the most important thing. We can talk about all what he has around him, but what's in front of him, what's going to protect him, is far more important, especially here in Carolina, considering that it's been a little revolving door at left tackle since Jordan Gross retired following the 2013 season. And now they finally have that guy in Aquanu and the other offensive linemen now look like they're up to snuff. Now, as far as what's behind him and on the outside, McCaffrey, last time he was healthy, Christian McCaffrey, that is, he had a thousand thousand season. That's only happened three times in the NFL, including his year. Roger Craig, at the 49ers, who should be in the Hall of Fame, and then the Hall of Famer Marshall Falk. If McCaffrey's back healthy, this team should be in a good spot, especially with Baker Mayfield. Coincidentally, he's only played in 10 games the last couple of seasons, so since Matt Rule got here. The Panthers' record during that time, 10-23. and 23. You think if McCaffrey plays more games, now he didn't win every game that he played, the Panthers, if he's out there more often, the Panthers probably have success. DJ Moore has been one of the most underrated wide receivers in the National Football League. He's been having to play with guys like Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater and PJ Walker and Will Greer. And he's had Kyle Allen. He's never had solid quarterback play outside of the first half of the 2018 season when Cam Newton was still Cam Newton. And after that, it hasn't really been anything. Robbie Anderson, he's got to bounce back. 
And you got Rashard Higgins, who we had a good relationship there in Cleveland, that being Baker Mayfield and Rashard Higgins. And then Terrace Marshall was a breakout candidate for the Panthers. So plenty of options. Just got to see if guys can bounce back and if the offensive line projects actually to play well and give Baker the opportunity to have success. And, of course, Christian McCaffrey staying healthy. Yeah, you know, Julian, I, I agree. It all starts up front. It is. You can have a great quarterback, great running back, great weapons around the quarterback. But if you can't block, there's not a lot an offense can do. So Doesn't matter. The, exactly. The fact that that offensive line has been revamped, I think it's huge and will help out. You mentioned Baker Mayfield had a pretty good offensive line over there in Cleveland. So coming over to Carolina, I think that will help him out tremendously and everything that goes on with that. I mean, it'll be super important for him overall. But now the Panthers housing the number one overall pick in 2018, the number three overall pick in 2018, and Matt Corral there as well. Julian, I appreciate you having on here with me. Yeah, no problem. And by the way, the last team to do that was the uh, Raiders back in 1980. And you know what happened that season? Uh, they hoisted the Lombardi Trophy. So not saying the Panthers are going to win the Super Bowl, but I'm saying the Panthers are probably going to win the Super Bowl. Hey, we got some we got some underdogs here in the Carolina Panthers. If you're looking to bet, do it with Bet Online and do it with the Carolina Panthers. You might get some good odds there as they might host that Lombardi trophy. Julian, thanks so much. Absolutely. Great, great insight from Julian there on the new era of Panthers football with Baker Mayfield maybe being there again. The Panthers trading for both the number one overall pick and the number three overall pick in the 2018 draft, both quarterbacks. I assume there'll be some sort of competition, but I I agree. I think that with Mayfield, they don't make that move unless they do intend on him, at least being the starter there. But we still have a ton to talk about here on the show. When we get back, we're going to be diving into some Ravens talk with none other than me. We're going to be talking about Justin Houston and what that means for the Baltimore Ravens. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to talk about here on the show. First, though, I do want to tell you a bit about Rock Auto. And this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts or to stock all the parts you need. Wind off from pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter or the bars on their computer choosing the only brand the warehouse happens to carry. Well, now you have to access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. And why you should use Rock Auto is because you can save time and money when using Rock Auto. They're a family business. Their prices are super, super low for every customer. And you can explore the easy website today to find the solutions to your auto parts needs. So go to rockauto.com right now. It's the other parts available for your car or truck. Just write locked on in the how'd you hear about us back soon. And we sent you amazing selection of IB low prices, all the parts of car, whatever you need, rockauto.com. We're back here. Our final segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still here with you. And thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. Be sure to subscribe to us here on YouTube. Follow along in audio form wherever you get your podcasts as well. But let's talk about some Ravens now. And this is exciting for me to talk about the Ravens here because they made an exciting move. And it wasn't necessarily this huge, massive splash, but bringing back Justin Houston on a one-year deal and he was actually awarded a, I can't even remember how long ago it was. I think it was about a month ago, a couple months ago, the UFA tender, the unrestricted free agent tender, which pretty much they gave that to him in hopes that it would increase the likelihood of him coming back to Baltimore. Now, we did see another team do the same thing with Melvin Ingram and the Kansas City Chiefs, but Ingram ends up going to the Dolphins. So it wasn't like it was a guarantee that Houston was coming back, but it really did feel like it made the most sense from, from a move perspective for the Ravens. And a lot of it did come down to the fact that the Ravens outside linebacker depth was pretty thin overall, dating back to the start of free agency. I mean, really what you were looking at was Adafi Owe and Dalen Hayes as the top two guys, both second year players. Owe had a really good rookie season. He ended up, you know, coming out of the gate, super strong, really on fire, did did kind of taper off a little bit towards the end of the season, had an injury that had him miss the final two games of that year. But Hayes, on the other hand, showed plenty of flashes. He, he just was never on the field. He was injured for most of his rookie season. So to, to put 
that responsibility in the hands of those guys. It was it was a pretty big deal. And obviously this situation, the reason that they are, or at least they were before Houston, so, so thin there was because of the fact that Tyus Bowser tore his Achilles in Week 18 against Pittsburgh. The Ravens did draft David Ajabo in the second round of the 2022 draft, but he also is dealing with a torn Achilles that he suffered during his pro day in March. So the, the timelines there are pretty unclear. It's not known when those two will be back. There's, there's, I guess, optimism they'll be back before week one among some circles. But again, you just, you never know, especially with those injuries. Like we saw Cam Akers come back in what, what, what was it? Four, five, six months after tearing his Achilles and came back and played for the Rams in the playoffs and ended up being a part of that Super Bowl championship team. So the pace that medical science has advanced on some of these things is, is really phenomenal. But with every player, it is different, much like ACL injuries, which the Ravens suffered their fair share of last year, too, with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters. So the Ravens' injury situation last year was not ideal, and they now have some of those potentially carrying in to next year or this year in 2022, which, again, the, the addition of Houston just brings so much to the to the field, both on and off of it, because what he brought on it now, his box score stats, I don't think are going to pop off the, the stat sheet to anyone Total 34 total tackles, four and a half or yeah, four and a half sacks. So wasn't a guy who necessarily absolutely dominated the box score every single week, but he was really close. And I, I compare this back to when Yannick Ngakwe came to Baltimore in that trade a couple seasons ago. Ngakwe's tenure in Baltimore was not a good one. It, the fit was not there, but he was a hair away from getting like probably three, four, five sacks. Houston was almost the same way, good at generating pressure solid against the run. He, he wasn't really put in a ton of those situations, but he still can hold up the edge if he has to. And his veteran presence off the field is going to be, I think one of the biggest aspects of this, because obviously you, you want your veterans to come in and produce. It's not just a pure mentorship thing. That's only in pretty rare circumstances. If you want to be on the team, you got to be able to produce on the field. So for the Ravens and, and what Houston brought to them last year in that aspect, Adafi Owe ended up calling him Yoda. He said he he just reminds him of Yoda with all the knowledge that he has. And he he was giving out that knowledge to the young players, the players like Owe and Hayes as well. And, and that's a huge part of it too. But people look back to Houston when he went to Indianapolis. And people, have, you know, that year, it was the 2019 season he signed there. After 2018, people said, all right, there's no way that Houston will be able to produce in Indianapolis. And, you know, he's going to be done. It'll be like two sacks, two sacks. But he signed there for two years and ended up his first year in Indianapolis having 11 sacks, his second year in 2020 having eight. So the expectation was, okay, yeah, this guy can still play. He's in his 30s, but who, you know, who cares? He can still come in there and, and produce at a high level in a role. This isn't a player that's going to be playing and didn't last year. Not a player that's going to be playing 95% of snaps. That's not what they need out of him, right? They don't need him to come in there and be this 100% snap player because they have other options. And who knows? Maybe the Ravens decide to bring in an, another veteran, potentially a Jason Pierre-Paul. They had him in for a visit a couple weeks ago, seems like. So that, that could be an option. But right now, the Ravens outside of OA, Houston, and Hayes, they have Vince Beagle, who's been a veteran at this point. Steven Means, who's a veteran at this point. Some undrafted guys. So depending on when Bowser and Ajabo are able to come back, if they're able to come back at all, Houston at least provides them a steady veteran presence there. Now, I think Owe is still the number one guy. I, I don't think that Houston comes in here and is automatically elevated to that. I think, again, Houston has a role to play. You know, he's a situational pass rusher, can do some other things as well. He's not just a, a one-trick pony or anything. 
But I do think that when looking at what he provides based off the price tag, I mean, this is not a, this is not a one year, $12 million deal, right? It's right in the, I believe, I don't know if the numbers have come out at this point at the time of this recording, but I'm assuming it's going to be around the high one millions, maybe low to mid two millions. I think the tender was around $2 million. So that's, that's a price for a player like Houston, still one of the better pass rushers in this league when he is able to thrive in a certain role. And in this defense too, the, the Don Martindale defense, the sacks were very inconsistent. So the sack numbers, you were never going to see a guy, or at least you didn't really with 15 sacks or 18 sacks or anything. So the Ravens with their system there, the sack numbers, if you purely want to look at sacks, did not favor those players. But I think with a new defensive coordinator and Mike McDonald, some some fresh blood in there, I think that will be very, very telling as to what this team wants to end up doing on the defensive side of the ball. I think it will benefit Houston and the rest of these linebackers in terms of the sack numbers that they produce. I expect Houston to have more than four and a half sacks in 2022, you know, than his total in 2021. I think he'll be, he'll be a huge addition to this defense or a re-addition since he was there last year. But he knows the guys, knows the locker room, a bit different of a system, but I don't think the system is going to completely 100% deviate from what Martindale did there. So I'm excited about this signing. I think it'll be a good one, especially in an AFC North where you have a lot of high-flying offenses, obviously Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. Who knows what's going on in Cleveland right now? We talked to Jeff Lloyd, but the Watson suspension at the time of this recording has not been handed down yet. And then Pittsburgh, you can never count out Pittsburgh. Obviously, they'll be starting either Mr. Bisky or Kenny Pickett or someone, but you know, still, you can never count out Pittsburgh. So I'm excited for this Houston signing. I think it was something that needed to get done, and now he adds a veteran presence who can produce on the field and also be a mentor off of it. So that is all we have for you here today on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in. When we get back here tomorrow, we're diving into more NFL content with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and we will see you right back here tomorrow.